Welcome to 40 days <coughs> of prayer. We don't officially begin until next week, or we're going to hit it running, hit it hard for six weeks, 40 days, six Sundays in a row, not going to miss a single Sunday. This is sort of a pre-campaign kind of a, a message, uh, because you may not know about this. If you haven't been here for a while, you're kind of out of the loop. And uh, some of you may be on the fence. Do I want to make the investment $12 and, and get a guidebook? Do I really want to join a growth group? And we got six of them, by the way, in your bulletin this morning. <clears throat> if you look on the right-hand side, we got six opportunities. One of those should fit your schedule to be a part of a growth group where uh, you get to go a little bit deeper each week. But today's message... We're just sort of calling this a beginner's guide to prayer. Why? Because prayer is such a huge subject. It it is multifaceted. If you were to type into your computer this morning into an Amazon search, you would find there are 136,000 books on the subject of prayer. If you were to do a Google search, you would find there are 132 million web pages that deal with prayer. And and that would include 4 million videos, and 4 million books, and 6 million news articles on the subject. Let me give you (coughs) three facts about prayer. Number one, God wired us to pray. Did you know that? He wired you, He wired me up to pray. Everybody prays. It's sort of a universal urge. Did you know that Buddhists pray, and Hindus pray, and Muslims pray, and Jews pray, and Christians pray. You know, even atheists pray. You ever come to an atheist, sock him in the stomach, they'll look up and go, oh God. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, I've kind of made that part up, but here's what I have read in books, and I've heard stories of lifelong atheists who come to the end of their life, and what are they doing, flat on their back, looking up to God and wondering, and saying, oh God, if there be a God, no longer atheists. And and I'm good with that. I, I want people that are far from God to turn to God. Everybody prays. It's part of what makes us human, if you stop and think about it. We are different from animals. Animals operate on instinct. We operate on mind, will, and emotions. We can actually choose to turn our hearts and our minds toward a heavenly father a good good father and ask in prayer anything according to his will and we know that he hears us look up on the screen here (coughs) ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 it says this god has planted what's the next word eternity in our hearts animals aren't thinking about eternity but you and i are He's planted that in us. That means we are eternal beings. He planted that in the human heart. And I believe every human being realizes that if they were to die, that there's something more than than just this life. And I'm not just talking about Christians. I'm talking about human beings. If they're really, really honest, they know that when their body dies and hits the ground, that they continue to exist someplace. I believe everybody knows that. At least honest hearts do. So number one, God, our creator, wired us to pray. Number two, (coughs) we're not very good at it. Have you found that to be true in your own prayer life? 
I, I think everybody feels pretty inadequate about prayer. Uh, some of you right now, let me see, if I were to ask one of you to come up and lead us in a public prayer right now, some of you are tensing up right now, you would faint if I called on you. Someone's heading for the back door. Stop, I'm not going to do that, all right? Just kidding, just a joke, but just getting you to realize <clears throat> we're all beginners. We're, we're none, there's no PhDs in prayer. I haven't found any yet. Even Paul considered himself to be a novice. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, what it says here, Paul talking, we don't even know what to pray. Have you ever found that to be true? Oh God, here I am. I want to talk to you about something, but man, my mind's all over the place. I'm not sure what to pray about or even how we should pray. And the apostle Paul goes on to say, that's why we have a Holy Spirit who intercedes for us, who helps us, who guides us in prayer, and who takes over when we don't even have the right words even the disciples of Jesus. <clears throat> if you look at a response reading this morning from Luke 11, verse 1, these are, we call it the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 7. It's really kind of the disciples' prayer. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now when he had finished, I like that, the disciples waited for him to finish. Jesus had a regular time for prayer, a certain place for prayer. When he finished, one of the disciples said, Lord, teach us what? To pray. <clears throat> now at this point in Jesus' ministry, the disciples had seen countless miracles. They had seen countless wonders. And isn't it impressive to you? I know it was to me when I thought about this. They didn't come and say, Jesus, teach us to do miracles. They could have said that. They didn't say that. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And they're not really even saying to pray because they knew to pray. These were Jewish fishermen, right? From the time they were little infants, they were brought up and, and they learned the three prescribed prayers a day. And often a Jew would pray five times a day. But those three prescribed prayers were normally long and drawn out prayers and formalized prayers. And so they'd been in the habit of praying every day, several times a day. But you know what I think they're saying here? They're saying, Jesus, we see something in your prayer life that's missing in our own. Would you teach us to pray like you? Because I think they realized where the power came from. Jesus was a man, and guess what? Every miracle he did on earth was through the power of who? The Holy Spirit. Any power you have on earth today comes through the power of who? The Holy Spirit. God is giving that to you. And where does that power come from? Heaven above. See, we live in a fallen earth. We live in a broken world. An imperfect planet. And so God's will is not being done here the way that it is being done in heaven. And so we pray... Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth, even as it's being done where? In heaven. We've got to pray for God's will to be done on earth. It's not automatic. Do you see how important prayer is to our planet and to our world? Someone came up to me before the service today and says, Hey, uh, i got a real serious prayer situation. It's not for me, but it's for somebody else, and I won't go any further than that. And I said, Would you write that name down? Would you just put a little note there? It will remind me what we talked about. And I'm going to be meeting with my prayer team this week. And I'll give it to the elders. And we will make sure that that person is prayed up. I want this person to feel God's love. I want this person to be saved. And I want this person to get out of the dark, dark, uh, blinding hole that she's in. And that happens mainly through prayer. God can help her. And we should be praying, thy will be done. They didn't pray for miracles. They didn't ask for miracles. They asked God, teach us to pray. And that's why we're titling this, A Beginner's Guide to Prayer. 
God doesn't want talking to him to feel so difficult all the time. And then one last thing. We're not only wired to pray, we're not very good at it, but I think our frustration in prayer comes mainly (coughs) because of our misconception. Our misconceptions about prayer. Let me give you four quick misconceptions. Number one, (laughs) prayer is not a magic wand. It's not like Harry Potter, you know, waving the wand, abracadabra, Slytherin, go away, you know, Dumbledore, do this, or get me out of this mess. <clears throat> God is not a genie in a bottle kind of concept. Uh, remember the Aladdin's lamp, and they rub-a-dub-dub, and the genie comes out, your wish is my command. You know, we sometimes treat God like that. Let me tell you something, folks. God is not your genie. It doesn't work that way, but we've often had this misconception that prayer is sort of like this secret <clears throat> incantation. Abra, you finish it. Cadabra. Hocus pocus. You know where that phrase came from? It, that phrase, actually, it's a corruption of the Latin Mass in the Catholic Church. The Catholic priest would get up and he would say, in Latin, hoc est corpus meum, which means the body of Christ. So he's taken the bread, the emblem we just took the Lord's Supper, took the bread and then said, hoc es, and some joker in the back row, did he just say, hocus pocus, the bread has become the body of Christ? Hocus pocus, the wine has become the blood of Christ? And it kind of took off that way. Hocus pocus, my husband is now a better man. Hocus pocus, I'm going to get the promotion. Hocus pocus, fix this in my life. And that phrase came about through this secret incantation. Well, that's not what prayer really is. It doesn't work that way. Prayer number two is not, it's not a fire extinguisher. Have you ever <clears throat> seen in public buildings this little uh, box that says, break only in case of emergency? Well, you know, some of you don't pray at all until you find yourself in a state of emergency. And, and then you pray. Then you'll break it. You know, I don't want to bother God with a little stuff. You know, I want to bother God with, you know, this, that, and the other in my life. I can handle that, but God, I'll come to you when there's a real emergency. That's not what prayer's supposed to be about. That's a misconception of what prayer is all about. Uh, sometimes I'll go to the hospital, and <clears throat> it's kind of a dire, grave situation. And someone says, I guess all we can do is pray. And someone says, oh! Has it come to that? (laughs) Really? Like prayer is a last resort. And prayer was never intended to be a last resort. You know, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go straight to prayer, folks. That's what God is telling you. It's not a last resort. It should be the first thing that you do. And number three, prayer is not a tug of war with God. Where you have to wear God down until He finally gives in and gives you what you're asking for. And so you beg. (coughs) And some of you plead over and over and over again. And you bargain with God. And you bribe God. God, if you'll do this, well then I'll I'll do that. (laughs) And you keep pestering and you keep badgering God until He finally gives in. I don't know if that's going to help, but let's give it a try. You don't have to pester God. You don't have to badger God until He gives in. I, I think that's a misconception that we sometimes have of God. That if I just let him know, repeat something over and over and over again, that God will finally understand how serious I am here. 
But you know what? God heard you the first time. <clears throat> and you know, all these helps. Mm. You don't know how many of these I've had this morning. Someone can pray for me right now. I'll take the prayer. And the Bible does say watch and pray, right? So there's something I guess I can do. I'm watching that cough drop go into my mouth. And I'm praying, Lord, get me through this message. I'm just glad I'm not dizzy right now. That's been the most horrible thing of this whole event. <clears throat> it's not hocus pocus. It's not wearing God down. Sometimes you'll read in the scriptures. And as we go through this 40 days, we're going to be looking at uh, some of the parables that Jesus told about himself. Uh, a parable is simply um, an earthly story, but it has a heavenly application or a heavenly meeting, if you will. <clears throat> and sometimes the parables are designed to say, here's what God is like. And some of the parables are designed to say, now this is not what God is like. Uh, last Saturday morning at 5 o'clock, let me see your hand if you were at the prayer meeting this year, okay? Uh, Jedver got up and he shared a story about this judge that just got worn down by this widow that kept coming and badgering him. Blah, 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 blah. And somebody think, well, is that what God's like? No, some of the parables show us exactly the opposite of what God is like. God's not one of these judges that's got to be worn down before he finally answers. But we'll get to that when we get to the 40 days in the weeks to come. Number four, prayer is not a ritual to relieve guilt. So you're having a bad week. <clears throat> You've really blown it, all right? You know you messed up. God knows you messed up. And so you think, man, i got to do a whole lot of praying this week. You ever had a week like that? But you know, it doesn't even work like that. That's not how prayer is supposed to go, just because you've really had a mess up. You know, if I just tell God how sorry I am again and again and again, day after day after day, week after week, hour after hour, eventually God will know that, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm asking him to forgive me. And yet, when you stop and think about it this way, um... You parents, have you ever had a child mess up? And that child was penitent, truly sorry. You hugged, you embraced, forgiveness was there. And then five minutes later, come back and have to do the whole thing over again? That didn't make any sense. And God's kind of like that. Hey, didn't, I, didn't you already confess it? Didn't you already get it all out? Didn't, you already, <clears throat> didn't I already forgive you? Yeah. Then why bring it up again? What God has forgiven... I can forget. Let's say that together. What God has forgiven, I can forget. You don't have to keep bringing it up again and again and again. Prayer is not a ritual to relieve guilt. Uh, Jesus actually told us not to repeat stuff over and over and over and over again. Look up here on the screen. Where did he say that? He said that in Matthew 6, verse 7. When you pray, do not use meaningless repetition What's repetition? Over and over and over again, thinking that you will be heard for your many words. God heard you the first time. If you meant it, you got it. Now, those are three facts about prayer. Let me give you four foundational truths about prayer. What is a foundational truth? <clears throat> foundational just means elementary, a beginning place, something that is just so basic yet so true. Uh, if, I, if I use the name... Vince Lombardi. Can I see the hands of anyone that would even recognize that name? What that name's all? Oh, okay, we got some football fans in here. Now, this goes back a number of years. 
Vince Lombardi was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, and he was one of the most winning coaches in the league. And he won, well, this is so many years ago, they didn't call it Super Bowl, but it was like the, like the Super Bowl, like three of those in a row. I mean, he had all-star quarterbacks. Well, one, his name was Bart Starr and Alex Karras, all these great players on the team. But do you know how he began every spring training? These players that would be like pro bowlers, right? I mean, these guys are experts in football. He would grab a football and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. I mean, it doesn't get more basic than that, does it? What was his point? Don't think you know everything. Let's stick with the basics. Now, once we got the basics down, then we can move forward in other areas. Well, let me give you four foundational basics about prayer. Number one, God loves for me to talk with him about anything and everything. How many of you parents enjoy talking to your children? I know I do. He's a grown-up now, but we talk several times a week. <laughs> but I especially remember when he was young. I'd pick him up from school. I think he was like about the sixth grade or so. And I would say, how was your day? And he would say, fine. Anything exciting happening? No. Can you tell me anything that happened today? No. I won a science contest. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that thing you were working on at home? Yeah. They want me to enter it into this, you know, there's like this district-wide thing. Are you going to do it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Well, I'm interested in that right away, right? And yet, why am I interested in that? Because that's my son. I'm interested in what he's interested in. And you know what? God's interested in his kids. It doesn't have to be a religious topic when you go to talk to God. It doesn't have to be about religious stuff. It could be about anything that you're interested in. Why? Because who do you think it was that gave you that interest? Was it not God? God placed those things in your heart. God gave you those. He's interested in what you're interested in. And he enjoys talking with his children. Look up here on the screen. Psalm 103.13 says this. The Lord is like a what? You say it. Father. What's a father like? Well, you know, my dad, my dad was a jerk. Okay, we're not talking about that guy, all right? <clears throat> we're talking about a good, good, good father, right? Like the song? This is a God that's never too busy for you. This is a God that always does right, that always has your best at heart. He's a good father. Now, what's a good father like? Well, let's read. He's a, he, the Lord is like a father to his children, so that's us. <clears throat> this father of ours is very tender toward us. Ah, oh, didn't you love your dad to talk tenderly to you from time to time? Oh, did I tell you you're a good boy today? Mm-mm. Yes, I did. Three, probably four times, but they want to hear it again. On the back, you're a good boy. Did I tell you how much daddy loves you today? Mm-mm. I probably told him ten times. Pat on the Daddy loves you today. He's tender with his children and compassionate to those who reverence him. Our good, good, good father is tender and he is compassionate. That's the kind of father that he is to his children. <clears throat> Parents, didn't you love your children before they could talk with you? Even when they were little babies and not one word had come out of their mouth yet. Didn't you still love them? You can't really communicate with them, but you just love those little things. I remember when Corey was born, it's like, boom, 
an emergency C-section. Jane was over here at this table and a group of doctors over there. And they picked him up and they took him over to this group of doctors. And uh, I'm counting fingers and toes and everything seemed to be there and everything seemed to work okay. And um, I just remember a love that came over me that said, God, I will give my life for that child right now. Let that child live. Because it was one of those touch and go things. And um, that child couldn't communicate anything. <clears throat> Finally, months later, we get him home. <clears throat> he had what they call R- RDS, respiratory distress syndrome. <clears throat> the only way to alleviate that, he's on oxygen, but you basically cry. And when you cry, you get more oxygen in you. And um, he had something called bronchial pulmonary dysplasia. His lungs collapsed, and they opened him up. It was just a mess. And you know the difference between a, a potty cry and a hungry cry and then there's that really hurting cry. Your children all have this. And you pick them up, and you're a tender father holding them in your arms going, where does it hurt? And they can't talk. You know what I'm talking about? I remember one time he was hurting so bad, he had cried all day, and I just thought, God, I would be willing right now to exchange five years of his life to make him a kindergartner who's able to talk and communicate so he can tell Daddy where it hurts, and I can take him to the doctor, and the doctor can fix it. And you know what? Prayer doesn't work that way. I wanted it to work that way. I was willing to give up five years of his life to fast forward, miss the crawling, miss the walking stage, miss a whole lot of stuff to find out what, where it hurts so we can get it fixed. And God didn't honor that prayer because it doesn't work like that. God is not a genie in a bottle. It's not a magic wand. Remember, I already told you that. But you know what God did honor? Saved his life, kept him going. And he made my son very, very hmm, auditory, I guess you would say. He, very good with uh, communication skills. That's what I'm trying to say. He, he learned to speak at a very early age. And uh, by the time he was three, he was telling us what the problem was. And we'd take him to the doctor. And we'd go into the doctor's office. Jane will corroborate, corroborate this. And they, they would say to Jane, they'd say, well, t- t- what's wrong with your son? And Jane would say, well, you can ask him. Okay, Corey, what's wrong? And little three-year-old Corey would say, tummy hot, tummy burn, tummy hurt. Ooh, what's going on here? Well, he was on like 27 different medications, and some of those medications were interacting with one another. And the doctor said, well, let's do a test on this. And found out he had a, an ulcer that was burning his stomach. It hurt. So we did some adjusting, fixed the ulcer, and moved forward. <coughs> God heard our prayer, he answered our prayer, but he just did it in a different way. Parents long for the day that they can have a conversation with their child. And God loves you so much that he can't wait for you to talk to him. Some of you may be new Christians today and say, well, I haven't really talked to God much. Well, just start. And then there may be some of you that won't. And that's the biggest mistake. Some of you can't. You just haven't learned. Others won't. You refuse to talk to them. But God wants you to talk to them. Learning to pray is like learning any other language. Uh, you first get a vocabulary going. You get all these vocabulary words. Then the words become sentences, and sentences become paragraphs, and paragraphs become <clears throat> language. And now you're talking. But you remember your first words out of your mouth? Did they make sense? No. 
And so learning to pray is sort of like that. I've got a two and a half year old grandson, and I have not learned to speak Blake yet. That's his name. I mean, when he uses three, I mean, no more than three words, I can get it. But when he goes beyond three words, he'll come up to me sometimes and say, Grandpa, and his hands are moving, the facial expression's there, and he's just rattling off Blake talk, and he totally gets what's going on in here. But man, I'm not getting it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But I long for the day when we can communicate uh, on a level where we both understand. And so, talk to God about anything and everything. Nothing is off limits. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. We can be confident in approaching God. That's prayer. Knowing that He listens to us. Whenever we ask, that's prayer. Ask Him for anything according to His will. And since we know that He hears us, when we make our request, <laughs> then we can be sure of this, that He will answer us. God hears every prayer. He answers every prayer. There should be no fear when we approach God. There should be no shame when we approach God. There should be no hesitation when we approach God. We talk to Him about anything. We talk to Him about everything. Why? Because prayer is a conversation with God. Let me give you two quick facts about prayer. It's a conversation. It's not a ceremony. We've oftentimes made prayer something that it's not. Like there's this big religious ceremony that's taking place or a wedding ceremony uh, weddings are generally fun but there's that one time in the in the ceremony where everyone gets really really serious because we're invoking the name of god and we're saying do you promise to keep yourself to this person this person promise to be and we do we will and we're taking god we're invoking god it's well you know that's sort of a ceremony you say well prayer's not really a ceremony it's a conversation when you talk to your your kids and your loved ones and your friends you just talk it's not ceremonial talk it's just conversational talk. And number two, it's, it's, it's a relationship. It's not a ritual. It's not some secret society where you learn a secret handshake and a secret code and you know, there's something dark and mysterious about it. It's just conversation and it's relationship. See, I think we've made prayer something that it was never intended to be. And so therefore, we don't do it nearly as much as we should. We've made prayer a duty. When prayer really is a privilege. We, we've, we've made prayer something to be endured rather than something to be enjoyed. God wants it to be enjoyed. He wants us to enjoy everything about it. We're all pretty familiar with Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Let's read that and then let's see what the rest of the verse says in verse 12. I have good plans for you. We all know this part. Not plans to hurt you. See, God has a plan for every life. And, and He doesn't want to hurt us. I want to give you hope, and I want to give you a good future. Really, God? That's what you have for me? Now watch what verse 12 says. Then, then when? When I understand that God wants to bless my life. Then you'll call my name. Then you will come to me and what? What's the next word? Pray. See, once you understand he's a good, good, good father, when you understand the good plans he has for your life, that will lead you to prayer. Number two. God not only wants me to talk to him about anything and everything, <clears throat> God listens to me. Second foundational truth. <laughs> he listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. Don't complicate it. Don't make it something that it was never intended to be. You don't have to use flowery words when you talk to God. You don't have to use fancy phrases. Just be authentic 
with God. Be real with God. Be honest with God. When you're hurting, don't fake it. Say, God, today I'm hurting. Today I'm not doing so good. Today I'm in a bad mood. You're not going to offend God. I mean, just read the book of Job, man. Job said some things that were so untrue about God. And God never condemns Job for some of the stupid stuff he says. Never. Talk about anything, everything. But just be real. Just be honest with God. Not what you think. You know, God, I'm going to pray to you right now. And then you start thinking, what, what do I think God wants to hear? What ought I to pray? Once you start doing that, you just messed it up. It stopped being conversational. Because you don't think that way with your friends. With your friends, you're just open and you're honest. And Jesus is the best friend you will ever have. And so just be open and honest and talk to him about anything and everything. Be honest, be sincere, and be real. Ever hear people pray and they embellish and they even change their voice when they get up and they publicly pray? I remember we didn't always go to church. But once we started going, uh, we started. We didn't have children's church in our day, man. We had to sit there and endure it, man. I mean, the preacher would be coughing and hacking, and I always hated it when the preacher would take a drink of water in front of everyone. We thought, well, how come he gets water and I don't get water? <clears throat> but the way we learned to pray is we watched the older adults pray, right? And, and it would be, <clears throat> as we got older and older, 10, 11, 12, I mean, we probably started 7, 8, 9, I don't know, something like that they started asking the, 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 the boys in the church to maybe have a youth Sunday and we'd have to get up and say a prayer. And, and, and guess how we learned to pray? By watching the adults pray. And how did the adults pray? Well, it was really kind of weird. Uh, when they would talk to us, they sounded pretty normal. But when they'd get up to pray, their voices would be all like stained glass. Dear Heavenly Father. And they would use 1611 Queen's English. They would be talking King James Bible, thee and thou, and what's a thee and a thou? You know, I know a you and a me and a a we and a, it's just, I didn't get it. And so I'd get up there and I'd pray in these and thous and what's that all about? Until I learned that's not what prayer is supposed to be about. Prayer is conversation. It's not a ritual. It's not something fancy. It's not something you embellish. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus puts it this way. When you pray, Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by what? Men, flowery words, and they talk a long time, I tell you the truth. They receive the reward. Hey, that was a good prayer, man. Oh, pat on the back. There's a reward. Instead, when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Just be real. Just be honest. Be sincere. And when you pray... Do not keep babbling on and on and on like the pagans do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words, the Tibetan prayer wheels and, and, the, and the prayer beads and the over and over and over and over again. Don't do that. Uh, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. Mm. Then why ask? I'll answer that in 40 days. Summarize. Don't use prayer to show off. All he's saying there is don't use prayer to impress people. Just keep it simple. Keep it sincere. Uh, Let's close this point with Hebrews 10, verse 22. Let us come near to God with a, what kind of heart? Sincere heart and a sure faith. Number three, third basic truth about prayer. God likes to show his grace by answering prayer. Ooh, I do too. I love it when God answers my prayer. 
But you know, I need to stop and remember that God hears every prayer and He answers every prayer, but He doesn't always say yes. Have you found that to be true? He doesn't always say no. Sometimes He says wait. You read the story of the birth of John the Baptist and you'll see a story of not yet, not yet, not yet. That's another story. Does a loving parent give a child everything that they ask for? No. Why not? Well, because we love them and we know that some things are harmful for them and some things would not be good for them. And We're trying to protect them and we're trying to correct them and we're trying to give them direction in their life. And we don't want them spoiled and so we don't always say yes to everything. <clears throat> Had a person come up to me and say, Bruce, God's not answering my prayer. God didn't answer me. And I said, well, what did you pray? And he told me what he prayed. And I said, yes, he did. He said, no. I can tell you that right now. I know what God said. He told you no. There are like four possible answers when God prays. He can say yes. He can say no. He can say wait. Or he can say, are you kidding? I said, this God's saying, are you kidding, man? There's no way that you're ready for that. I, I remember sometimes God will give you something that you ask for that you really shouldn't get just to teach you a lesson when I was like 10 years old, I wanted a BB gun so bad. And I begged and badgered and you know, cajoled my parents until finally, at Sears and Roebuck there in Compton, we would go like once a month and I always go to the BB gun store section. And I would say, I want this, I want that. My birthday's coming up. And finally wore them down. They got up for the biggest mistake of their life. And you've heard some of my stories, but I'll just leave it at that. Sometimes God says yes, knowing I'm going to teach him a lesson. I'll give you, you want that? Okay. Now next time you be careful how you pray. Ah, he can teach lessons all kinds of ways. Sometimes he gives us more than what we ask for. Your faith wasn't big enough. Sometimes he gives you a little less than what you asked for. You know, you're not quite ready for the big whole thing that you're asking, but you're ready for this much. We'll get to the big whole thing. Just keep on praying, keep on growing, keep on learning. I love showing my grace by answering prayer. <clears throat> but you've got to ask God. But in order to ask God, you've got to get his phone number. Here's God's phone number. It's Jeremiah 3, 3. Three. Call to me. I told you it's his phone number. <laughs> Call to me and I will what? Answer. So, you now know God's phone number. Jeremiah 333. Call to me and I will answer you. I will show you marvelous and wondrous things that you can never figure out on your own. You want to find out stuff that you can never figure out on your own. You got to go to God. You got to, you got to take it to the Lord in prayer. Now, <clears throat> he says, I will answer. And I just want to say this, because a number of you are hurting right now, and you say, I've been praying this prayer for years, and God's not answered my prayer. <clears throat> and sometimes, just like with my son, I would say, God, hear my prayer, answer my prayer, get my son, fast forward in time. No, I'm not going to do that. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to fix the problem. You will endure the problem. You will go through the pain and the dark tunnel of your situation. <clears throat> but here's what I am going to do. I'm going to give you the strength to endure it. And when you come out on the other side and you look back, you're going to thank me for getting you through that difficult time. Because now you're going to see me in a whole other way. And you're going to see life in a much bigger perspective. And I'm going to be able to use that hurt, that habit, that hang up, that difficulty in your life to minister and to help others. You have to have a test to have a testimony. See how God sometimes answers prayer and uses a no answer to give you a bigger perspective on life. 
And then one final truth. This is a huge truth. We'll close with this. Our time's almost gone. <clears throat> God longs to be close to me. He longs to be close to me. Mm. Have you ever been away from someone you love and you miss them? I, I remember when Jane and I uh, were dating. Uh, I was going to college in Lubbock, Texas. Long way. Lubbock, Texas from Southern California. <clears throat> and this was before the day of before the days of cell phones and then and then you know have a, a national calling plan where you pay a certain amount every month and you can talk as long as you want. This was like you know x amount of dollar or x amount of you know, you know 25 cents a minute or something like that. And she would call me on a designated time, I'd call her on a designated time and we would talk for hours. Sometimes our phone bill was over $100. This is back in the 70s. And you're a starving college student. Why? I just wanted to hear her voice. I wanted to talk to her. I wanted to find out what's going on in her life and tell her what's going on in my life. God wants that with you. When was the last time you spent a sweet hour in prayer? We sing the song. If you grew up in my day, I learned the hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer, Sweet Hour of Prayer. And then I also remember the song, Now Let Us Have a Little Talk with Jesus. Most of us would rather have a little talk with Jesus than spend a sweet hour in prayer. But I guarantee you, if you ever spend an hour in prayer, you'll find your prayers really becoming sincere and simple, and you get away from all the memorized prayers and all the rote prayers and all the prayers that, you know, kind of everyone prays, and you get down to where prayer really becomes conversation with God. But it takes about an hour to get there. You ever see military families reconnect after a deployment? Fella gets off of an airplane, runs, sees his wife, and oh, slow motion, you know. And then they hug and they embrace, and then they go off and then they just talk. I, I love it when a, uh, a military person will come uh, to a school and their son or their daughter doesn't expect to see him, and it's all being video recorded. You ever see these? And, and, and they. That's dad. And they go run into dad. And they talk and they hug and they embrace. Everyone leave me alone. I just want to spend time with dad. Or mom, whatever the case may be. God wants that. He longs to be close to us. He wants us to talk to him. God is waiting for you to talk to him. And he's not too busy. He's never in a hurry. He's waiting on you. At least that's what Isaiah 30, 18 implies. The Lord what? Waits. He waits for what? For you to come to him. That's prayer. So he can show you his love and his compassion. Some of you are afraid of his condemnation and so you don't come to him. That's not why he wants you to come to him. He wants you to come to him because he wants to show you love and compassion. Some parents know the pain of a child. Maybe that's sick. That maybe is in a coma. That maybe doesn't have the ability to talk. But I'll tell you a worse pain than that. A child that can talk to you, but refuses. They just won't talk to you. Can you imagine the pain of loving a child, but that child doesn't love you back? And they're not going to talk to you. I can't imagine that kind of a pain. But God designed you for a relationship with Him. He made you to love you. He just wants you to love Him back. He chose you as His child and he longs to be close to you. Hosea 6, verse 6, it says, I don't want your sacrifices 
Well, wait a second, Bruce. Doesn't the Bible say we're to sacrifice to God? Yeah, yeah. And in Hosea's day, they were sacrificing. But when they came to sacrifice, eh, they were giving God the leftovers and their hearts were far from God. And God says, you know what? Forget the sacrifice. I don't even want that stuff. If that's the way it has to be, here's what I do want. I want your love. And, and I don't even want your offerings. Well, wait a second. I thought offerings were something that were, you know, it's in the Bible. It's duty. We got supposed to do that. Doesn't God want our offering? Yeah, but if you're given like that, he says, you know what I really want? I want you to know me. If I had my druthers, forget the other stuff. Just know me. Love me. Let me give you my heart. And, and today we come to worship him. And, you know, we, we had a, a song service earlier today. And, and, and some of you may have been singing, you're a good, good, good father. And you were totally into it. And you envisioned God. And you were worshiping God and looking at him that way. Others of you just kind of popped in the, you know, the CD, the compact disc. And you're saying the words, but you know where your mind is? Ooh, tomorrow at 9 o'clock i got an appointment. And i got this to do and that to do. And... Man, I hope this preacher doesn't go along today because I've got, you know, want to beat the Baptist to the cafeteria because I've got a whole bunch of laundry to do this afternoon. And your heart and your mind was far from God. And God says, you know, I don't want your Lord's suppers. I don't want your communion services. I don't want your song services. That's the way you're going to come to me. I want your heart. I want you to know me. I want to connect with you. Here's an amazing verse. John 15, 15. Jesus said, I don't call you servants. I call you my friends. That's the way God wants us to see him. How do you talk to your friend? Talk to God the same way. (coughs) You were formed for a a friendship with God. (coughs) Does anything matter more than that? He'll be the best friend you've ever had if you just uh, go to him. And I'm hoping as we begin the 40 days next week that you won't treat this message casually, that you won't treat the 40 days casually, that you will not just walk away today saying, yeah, maybe I'll get involved, maybe I won't get involved. No, I want you to get closer to God. How do I do that? Well, you've got to desire it, number one. And then number two, you've got to make time for it. <clears throat> and to help you do that, make a commitment today. After the service is over, uh, take out your bulletin and you say, hmm, look at there. Keith Doolittle's got a, a growth group. You know, that growth group meets on um, Monday nights at 6.30. You know, Mondays are good for me. Others are saying, well, you know what? I, 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 I'm more of a Sunday kind of a guy, and I don't mind bringing my own lunch. And after I hear the message, if I can go right into a growth group and do that, I'll go to Bruce's on Sunday. Others are saying, yeah, I'm more of a midweek kind of a person. Well, you know, Lance Reed and, and Monique are opening their home, and, and Lance and David are teaming up, and they're going to be teaching together. We've got six opportunities in here. So after the service is over, go up to one of the growth group leaders and say, hey, I'm in. Put me down. And then go see Vicky out here at the guest services. We grab your, your, uh, your guidebook because you're going to need that to help you grow during the next 40 days. And then make a commitment not to miss a single Sunday. Psalm 25, 14. Friendship with God is reserved for those who, what? Reference Him. With them He shares the secrets of His covenant. You want God's secrets? 
<clears throat> you got to spend time with him. You got to make a commitment to him. So get plugged in today. Connect today. Don't miss a single Sunday. James 4, verse 8. This will be our last verse, promise. Draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. In the days ahead, you're going to learn how many benefits there are to prayer and having a relationship with God. Let me give you one right now, just kind of a just a, a forecast of things to come. The closer I am to God, the less stress and the more blessed I will be. You want to claim that this morning? It's yours for the taking. You got to make time, take the time and the trouble to get plugged in with 40 days. Let's bow and let's pray to God right now about this. Some of you may be on the fence. <clears throat> Some of you may be thinking, I really don't get this. Uh, I, I understand you're talking about prayer and I understand the concept, but it's, I'm, I'm really not fully sure uh, what it's all about. If the words that describe how you feel about prayer are like frustrated, inept, awkward, unsatisfied, confused, prayer is like a mystery to me, I don't understand how it works, I need help. Well, if those words define you, then you've come to the right place. Because the entire purpose of the next 40 days is to deepen our friendship with God. He is waiting for you to talk to Him about anything and about everything. Anything you're interested in, He's interested in. Nothing. Nothing's off limits. Even your hurts, even your pain, even your frustrations. Would you just let me pray for you right now? Father, I pray a simple prayer and a sincere prayer. I want the people that are here to know you better. I want them to fall in love with you the way that you love them. And I ask you to take these words to touch their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.